Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, I'm Blair Bathory, and this is the Something Scary Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Whether this is your first time or you're one of the brave souls who join us every week. We all have that one toy, doll, or stuffed animal that we were attached to as kids. The thing that could comfort us in the darkest times, but we endow those items with such power it's no wonder some of them use it against us. Some of our most precious items will turn on us, coming to life and bringing evil into our world. The problem is, you have no idea if the doll that lays beside you at night is a good one or one that will haunt you forever. First, horror caught on tape, followed by the corpse bride, then evil emerald eyes. Finally, in our featured story, a taste of terror. So, wanna hear something scary? Mannequins of the Macabre. With great responsibility comes a whole new world of terrors. Like in this story, inspired by true events in India and submitted by Ishi. I was old enough to not need a babysitter. My little sister Dia, on the other hand, was another matter. And of course, when the babysitter my mom had arranged canceled at the last minute, I found myself reluctantly agreeing to step in and watch her. I didn't want to babysit. I was busy working on my YouTube videos, pouring my heart and soul into each one, but nothing had gone viral yet. So I figured I should take a few extra bucks and take the job for the night. Before she left, my mom ordered us a pizza and gave us strict instructions not to get into any trouble. I assured her that we would be just fine and couldn't help but roll my eyes when Dia giggled with excitement at the thought of an unsupervised night. As soon as my mom's car disappeared down the street, I went to my room to work on my videos. I had no intention of playing babysitter all night. 
idea burst into my room, begging me to play with her and her Barbie dolls. I explained that I was busy and she left in a huff. That's when the trouble began. Dia, in her first attempt for attention, started to sabotage my video making efforts. First, she turned the TV volume up so high that it messed with my audio. Then, she flicked my bedroom light switch off and on, making my recording go haywire. For her final act, she managed to cut off the internet connection, leaving me furious. I couldn't take it anymore. I stormed down the stairs to confront her. She greeted me with an innocent smile, as if she hadn't done anything wrong. She denied all involvement in the pranks, but it was clear that she was behind them. How could she not be? With a sigh, I realized that I had no choice but to play with her. Maybe if I did that for a while, she would leave me alone to do my work. But then an idea struck me. I could film us playing, turning her games into content for my channel. Maybe that could be the breakthrough I needed. It was definitely worth a try. I set up my camera, making sure it was recording. Dia and I carefully arranged the Barbie dolls on the floor in order of her favorites. We were in the middle of introducing each doll when the lights suddenly went out, plunging us into complete darkness. I screamed instinctively. Mom had gone over what we do in emergencies, and I had to be brave for Dia. I couldn't let her see me shaken, so I took a deep breath and looked around the pitch black room, unable to even see the cable box's LED light. The electricity must be out, Dia said, her voice trembling. I reassured her that everything would be fine and that I would go flip the breaker box switch. She should stay right there where she was, but Dia clung to my arm, terrified at the thought of being alone in the darkness. So together we made our way through the house, the silence pressing in on us. Every creak of the floorboard seemed to echo in the darkness, and I couldn't shake that feeling that we were being watched. Finally, we reached the basement where the breaker box was located. I found it and flipped the electrical back on. The lights in the house flickered to life, but some of them blinked ominously. We made our way back to the living room, only to find the Barbie dolls standing upright on the coffee table, staring at us with their unblinking plastic eyes. I, I swear I put them flat on the floor. Dia stammered, her voice quivering with fear. She was right. We had carefully arranged them on the floor before the lights went out. I glanced at my camera, which had been knocked out of its position during the commotion after the power outage. Curiosity got the best of me, and I decided to check the recorded video. What I saw chilled me to the bone. In the video, a dark shadow seemed to be moving in a circular motion around the Barbie dolls. It was as if they had come to life. Their plastic eyes, worn out from years of play, sparkled with an eerie, malevolent glow. The dolls began to stand up on their own, their tiny plastic limbs moving with a life of their own. They turned toward the camera, and then the video abruptly cut to static. I didn't show the video to Dia. I knew it would terrify her. Instead, I told her that I had moved the dolls while she was crying in the dark. But the image of those dolls coming to life still haunts me. I had played with those same dolls growing up and never experienced anything like that. I couldn't explain it but I was convinced that Dia had been telling the truth. 
Those Barbie dolls were responsible for all the strange occurrences in the house that night. The flickering lights, the TV, and the power outage. I still think that video might make me famous, but I don't want to give the dolls that power. They had a life of their own, and the thought of it still sends shivers down my spine. Have you ever been babysitting or home alone and had something scary happen? If so, tell us your story by sending us an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish, or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly. Which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today, or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Most department store mannequins are generic, looking with an androgynous figure. They can be slightly unnerving, but you wouldn't mistake them for an actual person. However, if you were to visit a certain bridal store in the small town of Mexico, you might just have a very different experience. Violet had been begging her friend Gemma to visit the town of Chihuahua, Mexico, for a long time. She was obsessed with dark tourism and promised her friend that, unlike some of the other successful trips, this one would be the real thing. Jimmo was used to her friend's eccentricities and gave in as usual, making the travel arrangements to go visit the town. Soon they were walking along the Mexican high street, looking for the reason for this impulsive trip. There it is, called Violet, pointing at a building and hurrying across the road. Jimmo looked at the window display of the small bridal dress store and gulped. When Violet had told her about the strangely lifelike mannequin bridal doll dubbed La Pascuela, the corpse bride, she hadn't believed it could possibly be as realistic as the story suggested. But now, as they stood in front of the shop, as many had before, they couldn't help but marvel at just how much the figure resembled an actual human body. Let's go inside and look properly. The women headed into the bustling store. There were some actual customers busying themselves with the task of choosing a dress for their special day, but there were also a few fellow sightseers who'd come to take selfies with the most famous mannequin in Mexico. It took a few minutes before they could get close enough to truly see the attributes that were allegedly proof of exactly what and who this really was. Violet grinned in delight as they saw for themselves the wrinkles on the dummy's hands, the veins on her legs. She appeared to have fine hairs on her arms and face, and the most realistic eyes and lashes. Jimmy couldn't believe the color of her skin either. It was almost impossible to get so exact. The person who had made her must have been extremely talented. 
either that or... Now do you believe me? Asked Violet as she pulled out her cell phone to take a selfie with the figure. This is no ordinary store mannequin. This is the mummified corpse of the owner's daughter who tragically died the day before her wedding. Back in the 1930s, people couldn't believe it when she appeared in the window since she was and is still the mirror image of the dead daughter. Gemma shivered as she looked at the artifact that attracted so many visitors. Violet was still taking pictures when a member of the staff walked over to them. For a moment, Gemma thought they were going to be told off even though the lady was smiling. I see you've come to marvel at our beautiful bride. Our beautiful bride, mannequin, she added. Then she looked around before quickly whispering, come back when it's night for a real show. And then she scurried off to help a mother and daughter with a dress. So later that night, when the streets were empty and most everyone else was in bed, Violet and Gemma stood outside of the bridal boutique. With sparse street lights, the storefront was mainly illuminated by a dim spotlight from within, which gave off just enough of a glow to see the mannequin. They weren't exactly sure what they were expecting to happen and were about to give up as a lost cause when suddenly Gemma gasped so loudly she made Violent jump out of her skin. And then she realized why. They'd been staring at the window of the wedding dress shop for almost 30 minutes. The entire time, the mannequin was staring right back at them, facing the window. The shop was dark and they had seen no movement, no obvious sign of anyone being inside. And now, in the blink of an eye, she had moved. It was only a slight difference, only the smallest of changes to the direction of her sightline, but the mannequin, a seemingly inanimate object, had moved. Violet and Gemma ran, racing back to their hotel and counting down the moments until their flight home. If they had stayed outside the window for even a few more minutes, they might have been treated to something even more sinister. Back at the wedding dress store, La Pascuela, the corpse bride, smiled. Have you ever walked past a store mannequin and swore it was staring at you? How can you be sure that it wasn't? If you became trapped in a mannequin, how would you try to escape? There's nothing better than a vintage find in a thrift store or an antique shop, but each of those items has a long history before you, and you can't be sure what type of energy it will bring you. Like in this story inspired by a true tale from Lori Kate in England. The story I'm about to share took place many years ago when I was just 14 years old, but it still haunts me today. At the time, I was living with my aunt, uncle, and two cousins in a little coastal town called Southport. It was a town that, despite its charm, I never wanted to call home. However, circumstances had forced me to reside there temporarily. One day after school, I found myself wandering through the streets with my friends. We stumbled upon a peculiar antique shop called Midnight's Host. Its presence was odd, given that Southport was known for its modern builds. The establishment seemed out of place. An eerie feeling washed over me as I gazed at the shop's weathered exterior. Paint peeling with an old creaky door, 
It had clearly been there for a while. Even a home makeover show couldn't age a building this much. I told my friends it freaked me out and I'd rather go get a bite to eat, but they insisted we take a peek inside. With some hesitation, I followed them through the creaking door. The interior of Midnight's Host was filled with an eclectic assortment of ancient trinkets, vintage toys, and antique furniture. Behind the dusty counter stood an elderly woman, short and slightly plump, with a disconcerting air about her. I offered a polite greeting. Hello, your shop is lovely, I said. She merely glanced at me before turning away. Despite my reservations, I explored the shop and found myself captivated by the mysteries concealed within its walls. My mother and I shared a love for vintage finds, enjoying the challenge of unraveling the stories behind each item. As I wandered, my eyes fell upon a striking figure, a woman with wavy red hair adorned in a beautiful blue dress. Her most mesmerizing feature was her eyes, which she shimmered like genuine emeralds. It reminded me of my mother, who I missed being so far away. Unable to resist its allure, I carried the figurine to the counter. The elderly shopkeeper's face twisted with displeasure, suggesting I choose something else. She presented a few other options, but they all paled in comparison to my emerald princess. Reluctantly, the old woman rang up the sale. I paid for the figurine and, with a friendly smile, left the store. Just as I was departing, the shopkeeper uttered a cryptic warning. Face it to the wall before sleeping. Her words puzzled me, but I nodded and exited the shop. That night, I placed the figurine on my bedside table and named her Amelia. I followed the shopkeeper's advice, turning Amelia to face the wall before drifting off to sleep. This peculiar ritual became a part of my nightly routine, moving Amelia back to her original position when I awoke each morning. One evening, my aunt was visiting and I had to sleep in the office with my younger cousin accompanying my room. In the dead of night, I startled awake by a deep scraping noise. At first, I dismissed it as the sound of a tree branch against my window, but the noise grew louder and more unsettling. Suddenly, something cold and bony seized my ankle with a painful grip. I grasped and opened my eyes, only to find Amelia hovering above me. However, she was no longer the porcelain figurine I had purchased. Her once serene expression had wrapped into a demonic smirk, and her eyes glowed with an unnatural cruelty. I tried to scream, but no sound escaped my trembling lips. Amelia loomed over me, her deep, inhuman chuckle echoing through the room. I squeezed my eyes shut, desperately attempting to ignore her presence. That's when I heard her sinister whisper. You forgot to trap me in its case. Before she whooshed away. In a panic, I bolted upright and rushed into my room. Amelia was back on the bedside table, still as a statue again. But instead of being in the center, she hung precariously over the edge, as if she had just crawled up from the edge. From that night on, turning the figurine no longer kept her at bay. She invaded my dreams, haunting my nights and causing my daily life to deteriorate. I struggled to concentrate and my productivity dwindled. A few weeks later, my breaking point arrived. 
I stormed back to Midnight's host and handed Amelia back to the shopkeeper, insisting that she keep my money. I packed up and left Southport, returning to my mother's home in Newcastle, needing to be far away from the shop and the figure and the memories. Yet, even now, long after that dreadful night, I cannot shake the feeling of a pair of dim, green lights watching me in the darkness. Perhaps it's just my imagination, but I can never be entirely sure. What type of items have you found that held a powerful energy? Was it positive or did it bring you terrible luck? In our final story, join my co-host Stephanie as she tells the tale of a Japanese urban legend inspired by Mahado and now animated over at youtube.com slash snarled. Sometimes memories are so far in the past, it's difficult to recall all the exact details of the moment. But when something is so traumatic, it always feels as if the atrocity happened just yesterday. Emmy was overjoyed that her grandmother, Setsuko, agreed to spend time out with her. Given that her grandmother rarely went out, being nearly 100 and tired from a challenging life, it was a big deal. Her grandmother had always been a serious and dedicated woman. Emmy deeply valued these joyful, relaxing moments with her grandmother, especially considering her age and the uncertainty of time she had left with her. Emmy held her grandmother's hand, leading her to the candy store for treats. But as they approached the entrance of the sweet shop, Sesuko froze like she had seen a ghost. She was standing face to face with something that stood outside of the shop, something that was seen in many candy stores across all of Japan, the wooden statue of Peko-chan. Setsuko was panting heavily and clutching her heart with wide eyes. Emmy didn't know what to do. She had led her to a nearby bench where she could sit down. What's wrong? Emmy asked. Setsuko took a breath and in a choked whisper told Emmy that she knew that girl. What girl? asked Emmy, looking about and seeing no one nearby. Then she saw the statue. Oh, do you mean Peko-chan? Peko-chan was the mascot of a Japanese candy called Milky. She's known to have chubby cheeks, pigtails, and a red ribbon in her hair, always seen with a big smile on her face, licking her lips. The company's slogan is Milky Tastes Like Mama. Emmy was confused. How could her Sobo know the mascot? But Sesako insisted she knew Peko-chan. The statue's likeness reminded her of a girl she knew during World War II. The girl was named Peko, and she was six years old. She lived with her mother in a small Japanese village. During the war, there was a tremendous food storage leading people to starve and look for food. Peko and her mother had to drink muddy water just to stay alive. They chewed on grass and the roots of trees as a desperate attempt at keeping their hunger at bay. Finally, Peko's mother couldn't bear to see her daughter suffering any longer, and so she took a knife, cut off her own arm, and offered it to Peko to eat, not telling her what it was. And as Peko ate, she realized she had never tasted anything so good in her life. When she discovered where the meat had come from, she was sick with disgust. But then she remembered the flavor. She couldn't forget the sweet taste of her mother's flesh. When her mother became too weak and vulnerable to defend herself, Peko, overcame by the primal instincts within, proceeded to inflict fatal injuries upon her and subsequently consumed the entirety of her mom's body. Addicted to the taste of human flesh, 
Pekka continued her life as a cannibal. It's just sickening, Setsuko said. The way they have her licking her lips. It's like the way she licked her mother's blood off her rosy red cheeks. Rearrange the sounds of the word milky and it becomes kill me. She continued. Those were Pekka's mother's final words begging her daughter to take her pain away. Emmy started observing the candy in the shop window. She realized the slogan of the company when translated from Japanese is milky tastes like mama. Emmy had another horrifying thought. What about Poko-chan? She nervously asked, instantly regretting the question the moment it slipped from her lips. Her voice filled with a combination of curiosity and apprehension. She couldn't help but wonder what the response would be and how it might shape their conversation. It's important to note the candy company also has another mascot named Poko-chan. This time, it's a young, smiling boy who always wears a blue hat. He's said to be Peko-chan's boyfriend. Setsuko shook her head sadly. Poko was a seven-year-old boy who lived in Peko's neighborhood. After devouring her mother, Peko was still hungry. So she attacked Poko, breaking open his skull in order to eat his brains. Poko was in such pain that he bit his own tongue and swallowed it before he choked and died. The reason Poko-chan never has his tongue out in pictures on the candy bars is because he doesn't have one. And the reason he always wears a blue hat is to hide his broken skull and missing brains. Setsuko starts to cry, the memories becoming all too much. Emmy tried to calm her grandmother, but she knew that the way her grandmother was reacting, that this was deeply something so horrific in her life that it shook her this badly. Also, seeing this smiling, cannibalistic little girl selling yummy treats doesn't help the cause. And who knows what makes him so yummy? After all, the company's slogan is milky taste like mama. As the resemblance between their products and human taste intensifies, one wonders how long it will be until a mere candy fails to satisfy their customers' desires, leaving them yearning for the authentic experience. This week's podcast stories were edited by Sarah Lukasiewicz, Janine Pipe, and Stephanie Strange. Narration by Blair Bathory and Stephanie Strange. Audio edited and mixed by Fitz Harris. Additional audio editing by Calvin Linderman. Art and graphics by Irma Richardson. Produced by Anna Villalobos. Executive produced by Gail Gilman. Music by Sapphire Sindalo and Calvin Linderman. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary@snarl.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com snarled. And if you'd like to support the show and everything we do at Snarled, join our Patreon at patreon.com snarled. Until next time, my spooky friends, sweet screams. <laughs>
and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.